0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: This is the Court Today replay on C103.
2: morning to you as we welcome you along to the uh, program and an exciting day today because we've got a, one of the new ABBA albums to give away. They officially, Voyage is the name of the album, the first ABBA album in 40 years. ABBA fans, very, very excited about this day. So it's officially on sale from today and to celebrate, we're giving away copies right across the day and I will have one of those copies to give away. Later on, I will call out lyrics from a very well-known song, when I call out the lyrics if you know the name of the song and if you are an ABBA fan I think if you're not an ABBA fan most of us know the words of ABBA songs for some reason, reason. we'll be asking you to, to text our WhatsApp the title along with your name and address and we'll we'll make a selection then and one lucky listener is going to win one of the very first copies of Voyage the new album from ABBA so stick around we'll be doing that a little bit uh, later on I know I heard Ken do it earlier and it was. Dancing Queen was the song that Ken had so I can tell you now I'm certainly not having Dancing Queen but I have another well-known ABBA track so do stay listening for that and also earlier in the week we had the lovely Keith Handley you remember Keith who won the Voice of Ireland a number of years ago and he joined us on the programme uh, because he's working at the CBS Primary School in Charleville and the group of boys at the school they got together and they've professionally recorded a song now it's in a number of for local charities like the Autism Assistance Dogs and St. Joseph's Foundation. It's a, it's a fundraising song. They're doing a sponsored walk, so keep a lookout for them today as well if you're in Charleville. And their song is called This Is How You Walk On, professionally recorded, and that gets officially launched today. And they're allowing us to play it a little bit later on the month. It's after 12... John Paul told me that we will be playing it so keep a listen out for for that as well and I know it's will be a big buzz for the boys and for their parents to have the first radio play of that song and of course people can buy and purchase that song locally and online with the proceeds as they going to some terrific charities so we wish the boys good luck with that. A little bit of good news on COVID and God knows we can do with any little bit of good news when it comes to COVID in this country and this is to do with, it's the first antiviral pill for covid-19 that you take at home you don't have to be in a hospital to be administered if this and it's been approved for use now in the United Kingdom and of course what often happens with all of these drugs it's the same with the vaccine once it gets approved in one country then you will have other authorities looking at it and if it's proven to be as successful as it seems to be i imagine that this is going to be a real real game changer i won't even try and pronounce the name of this antiviral drug but it's for people who have tested positive for COVID-19 and have at least one risk factor for developing serious illnesses. Things like people who suffer from obesity, People who are over the age of 60, people who have diabetes, people who have heart disease. And imagine anyone who is immune compromised, who is a danger if they picked up COVID-19, that they could become very unwell. For those, this particular antiviral dr- drug will be available. And it was the UK's Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency. They said the drug was safe and it was effective at reducing the risk of hospital admission and death in people with mild to moderate COVID symptoms and particularly that group of people who are at extra risk from the virus. Now, the drug has been produced by Ridgeback Biotherapeutics and Merck Sharpen Dome. And of course, Merck Sharpen Dome very much have a presence here in this country. And it works by interfering with the virus's replication. It prevents the virus from multiplying. Then keeping levels low in the body and therefore it reduces the severity of the disease. And the health authority in the UK said the drug should be taken as soon as possible following a positive COVID 19 test and needs to be, people need to get on it and start taking it within the first five days of testing positive for COVID 19. A study found it can cut the rate of hospital admission and death by 50% in mild to moderately ill patients who have at least one other risk factor for the disease. And in the study, the tablet was given twice a day to patients recently diagnosed with coronavirus. And as I say... This really could be the big game changer as we continue to learn to live with COVID-19, particularly for the most vulnerable and particularly for the immunocompromised. And it's one of the reasons that we all get vaccinated to, not just to protect ourselves, but to protect that group of the most vulnerable and the immune compromised. And just on figures for COVID-19, we know they've been over 3,000 nearly for the last number of, of days. But just to warn people, and this is a warning actually that's come from the Thánaiste, El of Varadkar, he said that the COVID-19 case numbers, they'll be, when they get announced later on today, they will be over 4,000 today are possibly tomorrow and that is possibly because of a backlog of unreported uh, cases and that will come as a kind of a big shock to people if you're suddenly switching on the news and hearing that the figures are over 4,000. So bear that in mind, it won't be a figure for the last 24 hours. It's unreported cases over the last couple of days. So either today or tomorrow, cases will certainly hit in or around the 4,000 thousand mark and that 's not to say, and, and Leo Radka making the same point that we are in fragile but we 're in a kind of a stable situation at the moment, but he was very much welcoming the news coming out of the u k about that pill that 's showing to successfully treat covid nineteen He's always said that we've another winter to get through before this pandemic is behind us. So, you know, the fact that we've more and more people getting vaccinated and the advice for people to try to limit their contacts and all of that. And, and the big one, of course, is for anyone who has symptoms to please stay at home to try to stop the spread, particularly the spread of the virus to the most vulnerable and the immune compromised. But certainly that is a bit of good news Coming out of the UK to hear that there's an antiviral drug that is proving very, very successful because the daily increases in the spread of COVID-19. Lots of reports in the paper today of the significant and unrelated pressure that it's putting on our health service and health service and particularly on our acute hospitals. Paul Reid yesterday saying still too early to say if the recent levelling off of hospitalisations too early to say if that was a trend but he added that the number of patients in ICU beds that's having a knock-on effect in that it is affecting elective healthcare. So they've had to cancel planned surgeries, and these the cancellation of a planned surgery for somebody who has probably waited many, many years to get the date for that that surgery is absolutely devastating news uh, to that person and to that person's family. Uh, Neffert's projections of a thousand people ending up in hospital next month. Paul Reid is saying look it could still happen uh, with the rising numbers of new infections they really don't know it's stabilising at the moment and once we can keep the hospital figures as low as possible or even just keep them as stable as possible will be some way of getting out of this pandemic. Uh, COVID was putting a very disproportionate set of demands also across the health service because of staff out because of either having COVID themselves or perhaps having a family member, maybe a child that has COVID and you've got the person has to remain at home to look after the person. So there's about three and a half thousand healthcare workers who are, ser- who are out of work at the moment because of COVID. Paul Reid supported an call for people to reduce their social contacts, limit your Activities in the coming weeks to reduce COVID nineteen uh, cases, but all he is also one of the group who is not calling for any restrictions to be reintroduced. And new figures from the HSC showing that the there is a continuing disproportionate impact of COVID nineteen on older and medically vulnerable people and it continues to affect the unvaccinated people. More than 60% of hospitalizations has been among people aged 65 and over while people aged 50 and over account for 72% of the patients who are in ICU. Some 52% of those then are unvaccinated with 3% of them partially vaccinated. And Colum Henry said the majority of ICU admissions from the 1st of April to the end of October were with unvaccinated people all but four of the unvaccinated people also in ICU had underlying health conditions so it's again it's targeting the most vulnerable and the immune suppressed Succession is back on our TVs starring our favourite savagely wealthy family the Roy's. You can listen to C103 all this week. We're celebrating the release of Series 3 with Now. You can win a holiday to New York the holiday is worth 10000 Euro. It's flights to New York, there's a limo transfer, you'll stay in a five-star hotel, you get a holiday ride over New York and you even get some spending money. How do you enter? You simply answer the question, who plays Logan Roy in succession? Is it A, Brian Cox or B, Courtney Cox? How do you enter? You need to text the word holiday and then you answer A or B along with your name and you text it to five. 70, 80. Five seventy eighty texts cost 2 euro and you do need to be over 18 to enter and by entering you're in with a chance to win a holiday worth 10,000 euro one text required per entry and you do need to get the bill payer's permission the winner will be announced next week on the 9th of November and for terms and conditions you can check out the competition page at c103.ie
1: Court today
2: on C103
3: with Sean Cusack Insurances consale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk CMIG.ie
2: Core County Council's budget plans for next year have been thrown into disarray as councillors rejected significant cuts in funding to the county's eight municipal district councils. To discuss this further I'm joined by Councillor Seamus McGrath of uh, Fina Fáil. Good morning to you, Seamus Good morning Patricia And, and, and you're welcome. Now, f- now first just to explain to listeners what sort of cuts are the executives asking members to agree to for next year?
4: Yeah, so I suppose we're in the critical weeks in the run-up to our budget, which will be held later on this month, and we've had a series of municipal district meetings, and we've had uh, other meetings with the executive discussing the budget, so overall it does represent a major challenge in terms of reaching a budget for 2022 because look, like everything else the costs of doing business are rising um, and you know to meet to make those demands and to to balance the books is is becoming an increasing challenge and I suppose over the years we would have developed a lot of additional amenities for example and all of those things add to costs in terms of maintenance and so on so it's a major challenge and As councillors, I suppose we strongly protect what we call the general municipal allocation, the town development fund, the village enhancement schemes. Uh, They're very local funding schemes. They fund things like community grants. They support local groups, uh, festivals, Christmas lighting, um, painting schemes to improve towns and villages, public realm schemes and so on like that.
2: And of course, each individual councillor will know the worth of those grants. They might be very small grants, but they'll know the importance of those grants to oh, local people.
4: Absolutely. And we 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 are strongly of the view that they have to be protected. So in some of the initial drafts that we have seen for the budget in twenty twenty two, there were proposed cuts to those funding schemes and you know, I think across the board, you know, politics aside, councillors said no, that that's not acceptable. We Was uh, were
2: they as high as fifty percent as, as a report yes, in the paper? Well,
4: wow. yes, yes, they were, they were, um, because there is a, there is a gap that needs to be bridged overall, and I suppose the executive are looking at where they can make cuts, and and I understand they have a difficult job to do, um, and a lot of the costs are fixed costs, you know, just to, to run the council and so on, and you can't you can't necessarily make savings in all your expenditure items, and um, so they're looking at where they can and and. These funding schemes I'm referring to are, I suppose, known as discretionary funding schemes because they're not fixed costs such as payroll, pensions, and so on like that. And and arguably, they could be cut, but we said, no, it, it should not happen communities are the backbone of the county and uh, they, 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 they provide tremendous service, you know, whether you're talking community associations, tidy towns schemes and so on like that. They do tremendous work across the county and we have to continue to support those groups and uh, you know, this isn't a the them and us, to be fair with the executive. I know they are of a similar mind but they, they had to put forward proposals and they had to put forward discussion documents and so on like that. So we're in those few weeks and to go back to your initial point, um, yes all the municipal district um, meetings would have got bu- proposed draft budgets and they're all going they, to date the ones that have been had I'm not sure if they all have been had but they have been rejected um, and I'm sure they will be They will be rejected across the board um, because the, co- the cuts are just not acceptable and um, they are funding schemes that we protect uh, vociferously as councillors because we see the value in those schemes yeah, and yeah. we always make the point that they are the best euro we can spend in the council is the euro that we... Give to the communities, and we support the communities. and we put
2: into local yeah. communities? And it, if is there less funding available, and is that down to COVID nineteen?
4: Yeah, so you it's a fair question, you know. I suppose you look at the grand scheme of things, the economy is doing well and, you know, we're we're saying why why is it so difficult in 2022 to balance the books? And it really does come down to increasing costs. Um and as I said earlier, you know, we have put a lot of capital funding into developing amenities. They all require maintenance. They all lead to additional costs every year. So, for example, in my own electoral area, we developed Hawboll and Park, for example. Um, uh, during the course of the year that opened, well technically it's in the Cove Municipal District but it's accessed from the, the Ring of Skiddy side. So that's a large park and to run that for example costs extra money so when you when you develop extra amenities it brings about extra costs. Um, payroll would have gone up because there has been people recruited into critical areas such as housing for example because we, we have an ambitious housing capital programme um, and so there there are additional costs of doing business and um, and then you look on the income side, and there's not a lot of scope there to increase income. You know, because we don't want to, we don't want to increase local property tax, for example. And we didn't do that. And um, we we took the decision earlier earlier on this year to maintain the local property tax at the 2021 level so there will be no increase in terms of the local authority adjustment in 2022 I know now the local property tax this year there are changes to the bands and all that but in terms of the county council adjustment there will be no increase over and above last year mm. and that was a decision uh, councillors took So, yeah, you know,
2: and, and also you would have lost income I mean pay parking
4: yes exactly um, so pay parking in some towns has been suspended not all but in most towns it has been suspended and that
2: was a good move
4: um, it was the right thing to do uh, because, you know, we wanted to support businesses. We wanted to support town centres and village centres and um, it was the right thing to do. But again, all of those things will be under discussion in the coming weeks as we run into the budget.
2: OK. And of course, the as you said, the county hall executives, they have to balance the books. I mean, that that is their job. If there simply isn't enough money there
4: we have to balance uh, uh, the how do to,
2: you suggest cost savings can be made
4: we have to balance the books and i suppose just to put it in context the overall budget is probably going to be something of the order of 365 366 million uh, for 2022 so it's a substantial it is a subs- substantial budget and if you look at the various headings housing for example we'll be spending almost 50 million on housing we'll be spending over 80 million on roads for example in the development of new roads and maintenance and so on like that um, so there are significant areas of expenditure there um we the next few weeks are going to be critical, Patricia. We have to find um ways of bridging that gap. There is a small general reserve there that we can look at. Um but you know At the moment, everything's on the table, I suppose, and we are in intense discussions.
2: Can you go back to central government for additional funding?
4: Yes, and to be fair, um, you know, government have been good to us. Um, They were good to us last year. They did provide additional funding to help with COVID costs and so on like that, because there have been additional costs as a result of COVID as well. Um, And they did provide that. And then there was the the waiver on the commercial rates, which helped local authorities, because, you know, that gave local authorities... um, some breeding space because it eased up on the need to be collecting the rates and so on like that uh, so that was good and there is a certain element of that continuing in the last quarter of this year um, but yes central government to do have a role to play here and you know they have performed well in terms of supporting local authorities and we just hope there might be something towards the end of the year as well that will help.
2: Okay, a listener is making that same point saying could, as council, could you not argue to receive more central funds uh, and ev- there will be every county, says this listener, looking for additional funds but surely when you look at the size of Cork, its population, its geographical area, we have more roads than any other uh, county, surely we should be treated differently here in Cork.
4: Yeah, look, we are making that case and um, it is necessary. I mean, local authorities across the board do rely on central government and, you know, a lot of those... Areas are funded by central government such as housing building programmes, such as, the road ma- such as road maintenance and road construction and so on like that. They are all funded from national funding grants um, and we are making the case, look, that we, of course, we need more and that's an argument that we are strongly making.
2: Okay, so the full budget meeting is not until the 22nd of November, is that right? Yes. Yeah. I, so there'll be a lot of negotiation between now and then, is that how it works?
4: Yeah, so there will be, um, and, um, you know, even the budget day itself, there will be negotiation and there will be some proposals, I'm sure, and some changes proposed. You know, as councillors, we want to protect those items that assist the communities out there, and I suppose the visible work of the council on the ground, you know, things like street cleaning, things like maintenance of open spaces, you know, the provision of public um, toilets, the, the maintenance of playgrounds, the maintenance of parks. They're all critical areas, and we do not want to see any reduction in them. And I'm confident we can achieve that. I'm confident we can go forward maintaining those service levels. Um, Yeah, and
2: they're all areas that when people are paying their local property tax, when they see that type of work and that kind of maintenance going on, there's a sense of, well, that's where my local property tax is going.
4: Yes, absolutely. Um, The local property tax is, you know, is a source of income for the council. It, It, some people probably think it is more than what it is it probably represents less than 10% of our overall budget Is it as low as that? It is as low as that yeah wow. it is as low as that some people might think it represents more commercial rates would represent a lot more commercial rates for county Council is of the order of about 112, 13 million uh, so that represents you know maybe around 30% of budget But um, <clears throat> so property tax is significantly lower than commercial rates in terms of funding the overall budget um, but you're right you know people paid local property tax to get local services and we certainly don't want to see any production in them. Um, and look, working with the executive over the coming weeks, um, that's that's the objective of all of us,
2: okay. I'm sure. it's a difficult few weeks. We wish you luck with it, Seamus, and thanks you for joining us on the programme this Thank morning. You. Good morning to you. That is uh, Fianna Fáil Councillor Seamus McGrath, 1850 The gang at Theo Park in Labamalaga have just texted in to say, would you please give a mention, Patricia, to our last outdoor dance of the year. It's happening in Theo Park this coming Sunday at half past two in the afternoon. Music will be by the Michael Sexton band and entry is ten euro. The dances have proven very popular, I'm told, during the summer, with people coming from far and wide to enjoy dancing, enjoy the atmosphere and to meet up with old friends and of course to make many new friends. Theo Park I want to thank everyone. Who has made that uh, possible and proceeds as always will go to the upkeep of the community park? So, your dancing shoes on next Sunday, half past two, in Theo Park.
1: Court today on C103
3: with Sean Cusack Insurances Kinsale. now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. See MIG.ie. There's
2: been much talk about antigen testing with the HSC, of course, now posting antigen tests to people identified as close contacts. So, to discuss the importance of such tests and why they need to be used. I'm joined by Chris O'Grady of reassurance.ie who is a qualified pharmacist and a biomedical scientist. Good morning to you Chris. Good morning Patricia. And and you're very welcome. I suppose can you start by explaining to us what an antigen test is and how it differs from the PCR test?
0: Um, An antigen test is effectively, it's like a litmus paper test. What you the way it works is you've got a you've got a swab which is effectively like a, a cotton bud, so to speak, that you actually run up the nasal cavity, both both nostrils, and you touch it off the, the surface the the surface of the nasal cavity. You dip it in a buffer solution and leave it immersed in the solution for maybe a minute. So whatever's picked up on the swab is washed into the solution and then the solution is dropped in, onto a cassette, a test cassette, into the liquid well. And they, the liquid and the buffer moves up, the test moves up the paper. And then what you find is a control line establishes to show you that the test has performed correctly. And you wait 15 minutes. And if a, if a positive line establishes within 15 minutes, you know that you're positive for COVID. And if the, line, the positive line doesn't actually establish itself, then you know you're negative for COVID.
2: It looks a See? little like a pregnancy test, the actual results. So, exactly yeah. yeah. And how accurate are they, Chris?
0: Right there, it, it, um, a lot of, uh, and you mentioned even there earlier on about how they compare it to PCR, they are very, very accurate. What the problem seems to have been historically since COVID started is that this, uh, you know, they've been compared to a PCR test and they shouldn't be compared to a PCR test because. They're not, they're, they're, they work in two different ways and they do two, they're two different things. If your question is, like, for example, to go to work, if your question is, am I infectious and a danger of, con- of passing this on to anybody else, an antigen test works perfectly. What you find is that, like, an antigen test only tests positive. When you have enough virus in your body to be contagious, It doesn't test positive. It doesn't give a positive result below that level. So, what you find is there's a five day contagious window, so to speak. So, for the first day or two that you've contracted the virus, an antigen test will come up negative, but that's because you don't have enough virus in your body to pass on to anybody else. When you go over that level, the antigen will test positive for that duration of four or five days. And then, when your viral load comes down below that level, an antigen test will again give a negative result because you don't have enough virus to be contagious. So when the powers that be say that a PCR t- an antigen test is only half as effective as a PCR, that's because the PCR test is given a positive before you're contagious
5: mm. and also
0: after you're contagious, whereas the antigen only deals with and cares about, are my contagious?
2: Which so is far, probably uh, the most important thing to try to stop the spread of this virus.
0: Exactly, like they, 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 the HSC, quite rightly so and understandably, initially were kind of they were more interested in who who has contracted it, how many have contracted it, how long did they have it for, and the PCR is the gold standard for detecting is COVID present in the individual. Whereas an antigen, when you're talking now about living and actually trying to get back to normal operation of going, be it socially or from a work point of view am I okay to leave my house and go out and mingle with others? An antigen test is actually better than a PCR because it answers the question that we want,
2: that Mm. we care about. Because, of course, then if you get a positive antigen test, you still have to go on then and get a PCR test.
0: Quite rightly because PCR is the the regulatory gold standard, but what, what I'm seeing, and I, I'm living in this space, God, we're all living in it, but from a testing point of view, we have we set up testing centres back at the start of this and we do Amsterdam and PCR tests. But what you find, which we're all human, is the law of averages people comply with what's convenient. When they kind of, they'll comply with something that they can test when they're brushing their teeth in the morning, as opposed to go making an appointment, going down and queuing in a testing centre. They're, we're all more compliant if it's a convenient idea. So an antigen test at home is, is without doubt a very functional tool. It's not looking to replace PCR, but I, I do believe people would comply with it and you could have the whole population doing it on a frequent basis.
2: And why do you believe NEFET and, uh, and then subsequently the government, because it's NEFET who advised the government, why have they always been so slow about a more widespread use of antigen tests?
0: It is it 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 is quite embarrassing to a certain extent. We have engaged with um, identities and and the continent in Europe and in the UK, and it is quite. I find it quite embarrassing when we like we have a digital solution and stuff, but when we actually talk to them about that, they can't get over the fact that we haven't even endorsed antigen testing yet. Um, I believe that the main concern was that they were worried that people would interpret it that antigen test is to replace PCR. But I, do, I don't believe if people were informed accurately that, and told what it's for and what it will do. What I mean is antigen testing should have been embraced way earlier than this and it could have been used as a triage. People that can test themselves and like if, a, if somebody that is, it has no symptoms test themselves with an antigen test and it comes up positive, they'll go straight for a PCR test because of the level of alarm and concern. If they feel fine and they're told you should go for a PCR test,
2: they'll go, I feel fine. You know what I mean? Yeah, why well, yeah, why do I need to go? Well, I've got no symptoms. But if you're standing exactly. there with a positive PCR with a positive antigen test in your hand, you are going to do the responsible thing and go of forward. You are. There's been a lot of calls, Chris, to introduce them into our schools because we know that there's a spread between the five to twelve year olds. I mean, listening to what you're saying today, I mean if parents were to test their children a couple of mornings a week we we could get rid of the spread of it certainly amongst children.
0: We we a hundred percent could, and it's 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 as applicable in a school to a child as it is in a workplace to an adult. It's the exact same philosophy. the The, the problem here is that vaccines have done; a, they're a wondrous tool, and they've done a great job for their priority objectives, which were to reduce the mortality rate, reduce hospitalizations, uh, free up ICU beds, and they have worked well for that purpose. But what is becoming very evident is antigen uh, vaccinations do not stop the transmission of the virus. However, if you're vaccinated, you will not get as ill if you contract it as if you're not vaccinated. So vaccines have kind of done their job. But the bottom line on this is the only way any virus, the only way you can stop a virus and eradicate it is by stopping it moving. It has to be nailed down. And the only way to do that is for people to know their status, not be waiting for symptoms. That's too late. If I get symptoms and I have COVID, it's the damage I've done in the last 12, 24 hours that is actually that, that is the problem. When people get symptomatic, they'll kind of go, well, well, maybe I should be staying in. But it's the damage they'll do before they're symptomatic. And even more so, Patricia, like the time of year we're in, you take your average household with, let's say, kids in it, there's going to be runny noses in households for the next three months.
2: Yeah. yeah. You know,
0: do you, I, I don't believe I don't believe that parents are going to be running up and down to the PCR test clinic every child that gets a runny
2: nose. Well, we're so, already seeing people are are refusing to do that because you know, and the famous one that doctors will say is, you know, the parent will ring up, go, "I know my child; it's the annual thing that they get every year," and the GP are saying, "Sorry, you've got you've got to go and get a, a PCR test," and but if only there was an antigen test there to prove that the child didn't have it.
0: Exactly, because we all know and. We're all the same. I'd agree 100 percent, show What's going to happen there is we're just not going to comply as a, you know, as a population. People are not going to be up and down to the PCR clinic. So while the government are worried that antigen will, people will interpret that it'll replace PCR, wouldn't it be an awful lot better for people to be testing at home twice a week and then when at least they get the flag on the antigen, they would go for the PCR. Mm. That would. That would pick up 80, 90 percent of cases before they go out into the population and spread. Okay. And because the window, because the, the, the contagiousness window is five days, twice a week is adequate testing. Obviously, if you've done it daily, it'll probably be better. But twice a week is adequate because the window, the, the, the contagiousness window is
2: four to five days. OK, listener says, get this man on to He's the first person to make sense about antigen <laughs> uh, testing. All right, listen, Chris, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. You're welcome, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is Chris O'Grady of reassurance.ie. As I was to say, qualified pharmacist, but he's a biomedical scientist as well, very much advocating the use of antigen tests. We have news at 11 on the way. With a reminder, we still have one of the brand new albums from Abbott to give away on the programme. Stay tuned for that. We'll be giving it away sometime between now and at one o'clock. And also, if you have smallies that you're buying for this Christmas and you're worried about particular Particular toys. We're going to be doing a, a feature on what are the popular toys this year, and what toys are going to be in very short supply. There seems to be a global supply chain uh, issue, so we'll be discussing to- toys and more in the next hour.
1: Court today on C103
3: with Sean Cusack. Insurances kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie.
2: Annie onto us by WhatsApp saying Patricia could you advise me please I received an email from my health insurance company about future changes to what is and isn't covered and at this stage I'm confused with it all. Uh, Are there any brokers out there that can deal with this uh, says Annie. It's probably one of the most confusing things we do every year is when they dreaded health insurance and we're coming to that time of the year the end of the year when most people's health insurance, those lucky enough to have health insurance, the health insurance cover is due for renewal and it's just there's so many different policies out there. It, it's just mind-boggling to try to get the bot, to the bottom of it. Uh, so we've just done a quick search to see and actually the company that is sponsoring the show at the moment Mac- McCarthy Insurance, MIG.ie uh, they do all, about, they they cover health insurance uh, along with obviously a lot of other insurance uh, so Annie if you want to check out if you go on MIG.ie I mean there's loads of local branches across the city and uh, county. I'm just trying to see are they down there. Yeah, they're West Cork. I can see West Cork. There's, there's North Cork. There's East Cork. There's the City. There's Mid Cork. Yeah, there's there's lots of places. So, mig.ie. But yes, certainly local brokers who a lot of people will go to for their car insurance or their home, home insurance. Many of them deal with health insurance but I know mig does as well. And then you can also go online to someone that we use quite a lot here when we're doing sort of information pieces about health insurance. And that's Dermot Good of Total Health Insurance uh, dot ie. You can check them out online as well, and you're able to take a look and compare policies. But listen, you're not on your own when you're saying that you get confused when the renewal policy comes in, and it is health insurance. With waiting lists the way they are at the moment for the public service it's probably more important than ever that you have health insurance but that you have the correct health insurance so you're right to try to get as much advice as you can. Good luck with it Annie and thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. Now as you've been possibly hearing on the news this morning with Barry a 24 year old Corkman has been arrested by police in the UK and it's on foot of an Irish arrest warrant and it's to do with a murder that happened in Mallow Town back in 2018. Mairead Tuig, our news reporter, joins me with more on this story. Good morning to you, Mairead. Good morning, Patricia. And I said this is one of those very, very sad, tragic stories. And I suppose we need to go back to the summer of 2018.
6: Absolutely, Patricia. Yeah, it happened um, on the evening of July 12th, 2018. It was around 8.30pm in the evening time when a row broke out. Now, it happened on Bridge Street in Mallow. And it was uh, Conor Quinn, who was a native of Loch Ray in County Galway. He'd moved to live in Killavullen in North Cork a few months earlier. And he'd got out of a car with another man to confront another young man on Bridge Street. And as I say, at around 8.30pm on that evening and the row broke out. Now, the other man, Patricia, produced a knife and stabbed Mr. Quinn once in the chest. He fled the scene of the attack. It was witnessed by Mr. Quinn's friend, as well as other passers-by in the the area. You can imagine, you know, it's a busy part of Mallow. Um, And it was also captured on on CCTV and he had gathered that from the area. Now, Connor Quinn, collapsed on the street. There was an ambulance passing by. They stopped. The paramedics assisted him. He was taken to Cork to University Hospital, but sadly he was pronounced dead shortly upon arrival at the hospital. Um, so that, as I say, July 12th, um, around 8.30pm the evening in 2018. Now, and of
2: course that date, July 12th, people in North Cork will be very aware of that date because it's Caramie Fair Day. So in, in Caramie Boston. Fair would have been on in Buttovent that day and of course the knock-on would be, Mallow would be even busier because of that.
6: Absolutely, and it was reported at the time that one of the lines of inquiry in the investigation that Goethe were pursuing was that it may have been linked to an earlier row at Caramie Horse Fair, and um, which, as you say, Patricia, had taken place earlier in the day, and the area would have been quite busy because of that. Um, so it's just the latest update in this investigation is that a 24-year-old Corkman has been arrested by British police, and it's on foot, as you said earlier, of an Irish ar- arrest warrant and um, he's expected to be extradited back to Ireland later this month um, to face those charges of murder the of Connor Quinn um, as I say three years ago now they arrested him in Huntingdon which is in Cambridgeshire um, early yesterday morning and he was brought before Westminster Magistrates Court he was remanded in custody and he's to appear again there um, at Westminster Magistrates Court on November 12th next so very shortly uh, in court there was details, you know, given how Garvey had obtained a European arrest warrant for him because uh, they'd received directions from the DPP to charge him with the murder of Connor Quinn. Remember, he's only 24, so young, stabbed to death during that row on Bridge Street. And um, they'd identified the suspect early on in their investigation, but he'd fled to the country, went to the UK, and he was living under a false name in Huntingdon. So the guys here were working with their UK counterparts you know, through Interpol, and uh, British police, um, and they managed to locate the suspect, as I say, living under a false name in Huntingdon. And at the time of this of uh, Mr. Quinn's tragic death and his murder, his partner Stephanie, as you might remember, was pregnant at the time. I
2: do, I do, yeah. and there's a baby been born since?
6: Absolutely, yeah, she gave birth to a little boy just a few days after his murder. And it named the baby boy Connor after,
2: after Oh baby goodness, dad. goodness. Such a tragic, tragic so uh, story. Okay, so the twelfth of November, do we expect the European restaurant then will be put in place? It could be extradited, it'll be after that date then. Absolutely. Connor after that date.
6: Before the end of the month. Absolutely. All right.
2: Okay. Listen, Mairead, Thank you for that, and thanks for joining us on on the program. That is uh, Maraid Tuig, our news reporter, eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. And thrilled to see a text just come in there while Maraid was on from a listener who's been uh, texting us regularly because her daughter had COVID and has ended up in hospital and has been in ICU and ended up on a ventilator and I'd asked her to, we were keeping her in our thoughts and prayers and I'd asked the mum to keep us posted on her daughter and she's just literally sent in a text to say my daughter is doing well, she's off the ventilator and all going well so far. Oh my God what a relief because you have gone through such a tough time as indeed has your daughter battling on that ventilator but thrilled to hear that news and that's a good start to the weekend for you and hopefully now it's your the, the, your daughter back on the road to recovery please God and she'll be home before long. 1850 three103 also uh, coming into us Patricia we are never going to get out of this pandemic until people start learning to cop on and stop mixing in big crowds and going to after school activities families for example going to matches people are only looking for trouble and guess what's happening they're spreading COVID at the same time it's common sense people need to stop and think if you're going somewhere analyse it is this a good idea will there be a lot of people there I feel parents need to wake up they need to protect themselves and their children because this virus has absolutely no mercy and this listener is also agreeing with a texter that was on to us yesterday who was talking about the COVID certificates and saying surely the COVID certificates are a waste of time because vaccinated people can still transmit the virus and somebody was wondering, you know, why are we using these COVID certificates? Surely they're of no use at all. Well, actually, uh, we do know that if you are, whether you're fully vaccinated or unvaccinated, we all know that we can pick up uh, COVID-19 but there's a study that has come out from microbiologists at the University of Reading, and what they did was they got groups of people and families in particular who had a COVID-positive case, and they tracked the family and they were looking at, at people in the family who were vaccinated versus those that were unvaccinated. and they've done a lot of study. and they've come out now to say that fully vaccinated people cleared the infection more quickly. Than those who are not vaccinated. The peak viral load is roughly the same. Whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, you can get COVID. So when you get it, the peak viral load is going to be the same for the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. But the difference with being vaccinated is that the peak which is the time in which you're spreading it and exactly what we were talking with our antigen test uh, expert uh, Chris about in the last hour, that peak time, which is when you're shedding the virus and you're spreading it and could pass it on to somebody else. The peak lasts... S- slightly shorter in vaccinated people compared with unvaccinated people who shed the virus for a longer period of time. So ultimately, someone who has been vaccinated is less of a risk of passing the virus on than somebody who hasn't been. So contact with somebody who's been vaccinated is less likely to result in a transmission than for somebody who is not. So that's the other reason why we constantly, when we talk about being, why we get vaccinated you know, we we get vaccinated so we don't want to get very sick ourselves and we don't want to end in a hospital and we don't, like our listeners' daughter want to end up in ICU and ultimately on a ventilator and we're all trying to protect ourselves from death but we also get vaccinated to try to protect other people because I think it would be just for anyone who has or gets COVID and you know nobody sets out to get COVID and nobody sets out then to pass it on but if you know that you've ultimately then passed it on to somebody who's immune compromised uh, somebody perhaps who is battling cancer, somebody who's one of the underlying conditions that we know that can lead to people ending up in hospital or ultimately if you passed it on to say an elderly loved one who would be immune compromised and they died how would you ever live with yourself so that's another reason why we get vaccinated is to protect other people uh, as well. So that's the reason that the vaccination certs are so important. So you know that everybody in there, even if, God forbid, some of them had COVID-19, their peak lasts less than being in a room with a lot of people who are unvaccinated, because if you're in the room with the people who are unvaccinated and they have uh, COVID, they will be shedding a maximum amount of the viral overload, which will then pass it on to you. They do it for a longer period of time. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul, taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to zero eight six. And on footpaths, this is from Mike in Castletown Bear. For the last two years on the Bantry approach to Castletown Bear, there's works going on with Cork County Council installing new footpaths. The work is going on now for about two years. But they seem to have stopped in the last few weeks. There's no lighting in the area, so it's very dangerous at night. It's also close by the hospital. Can we get on to the council and find out why why it stopped? I mean, it seems like a long time for two years to be working on footpaths. But you know, maybe it's a bi- Maybe it's a big job, and it is taking that length of time. But why is it suddenly stopped? And uh, because Mike is describing what, particularly without lighting and the dark evenings are well upon us, and people are out trying to get their bit of exercise. You don't want anybody falling. We'll see if we can find out from the council what has happened with that particular set of works going on at the footpath, and why is it stopped, and when are they going to recommence? Eighteen fifty-three, three-three-one-zero-three. C-one-zero-three jobs. Four qualified child care carers are wanted to work in the French Alps. Now, it's from late November through to late April. You need to have FITECH or NVQ Level 5 are a higher qualification. You email your CV to simon at uk. General optives are required for immediate traffic management positions. You need to contact by email info at Next, worm, XTM.ie. Teleporter wanted for 360 swivel in the Blackpool area CVs to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com and the Inchidani Island Lodge and Spa they've got a number of vacancies including bar and waiting staff, cleaning staff a night porter, kitchen porter and therapists. You can contact the Inchidani Island Lodge and Spa on 023 882 1104 or you can email eShepherd at island.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
1: Court today on C103.
3: With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk they walk the walk. CMIG.ie
2: Now we're still a little way off from all of us humming. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas but if you've got children to buy for this year then be warned you may need to buy sooner rather than later because there may be a shortage especially when it comes to some of the more popular toys. Joining me to discuss the situation this year with Christmas toys is Dahi O'Connor of World of Wonder and World of Wonder Ie. Good morning to you Dahi. Good morning. Sir. Your favourite time of the year I imagine?
7: Favourite in one way and then stressful (laughs) in others.
2: (laughs) Now, there are shortages every year. I mean, every year that I've been sitting here doing this programme, we speak about certain toys that even Santa Claus can't get. But is there a feeling that this year is going to be worse than previous years?
7: Yeah, in previous years, it might have been one or two really uh, high-in-demand toys would have been short because because there was just such demand for them. But this year is probably more across the board, that there's just going to be general shortages of toys in general, um, uh, or a late arriving of toys, probably as much as um, shortages of to- products is are going to arrive later than would have, would have normally arrived. I mean, at this stage, you'd have really all your toys in, uh, we would have all our toys in where we're still expecting a lot to come over the next two or three weeks, which really wouldn't have been... Uh, normal that's, previous
2: that's, years. that's unusual. Yeah. And is is this directly attributed to COVID?
7: Well, COVID is the original reason, going back to nearly two years now. But it's uh, as a result of that there were all sorts of logistical issues with um, shipping lines uh, having containers not, not even to get them out because there were lockdowns in different cities and ports were locked down, uh, and they were understaffed because of it. So that it ended up. At the, the product is in one part of the world and all the containers are in the other part of the world. They couldn't get them back in quickly enough. It's a kind of just-in-time system. So once that, that that manifested itself over a number of months, it, it's just continued. And then there was high demand for that product as well. So you had a kind of a, a perfect storm with high yeah. demand for, for kind of household products and, and, and toys and other products like that that are made in China. But yet uh, it couldn't either manufacture them or get them out of there quick enough because of, of, of the lockdowns with COVID and the various issues that that, that created. So we're, it's, it's still that we're still suffering as a result of that.
2: Is Brexit playing a role,
7: I Brexit for Ireland then would be an additional role that's getting product from the UK, where most of the toys would come through the UK uh, for for Ireland. Um, you might have expected to get something in a week uh, if you ordered it, and now it's taking over three weeks.
2: Yeah, so and between, and issue. I mean, not just, I mean, obviously the issues around Brexit and paperwork and all of that, uh, but also there's the, there's the issue that's going on in the UK with truck drivers.
7: Yeah, with well, truck drivers in the UK, uh, with their warehousing there as well, and uh, their issues with getting product into their ports. They're having particular issues now because of Brexit. Their product is going to be sent to Europe because they can't take it in. Uh, and then drivers to come over here, and then even drivers in Ireland are, are an issue as well. Um, maybe not as not as not to the extent as in the UK, but it's difficult to get drivers to, to ship products from the ports in Ireland is taking longer. So everything is taking a bit longer. Which
2: yeah, so there's a number of is, strings. To this. Yeah, yeah. Are you already seeing a bit of a Christmas rush? Even though we're only in the first week in November.
7: There was an initial rush there a number of weeks back when when probably in the media word got out that there were going to possibly be delays and shortages and I think that became very uh, much evident in, in all, on all media and there was a burst of activity there for a few weeks. It calmed down a bit now. Um, people who like shops are probably going to be open to the up right to Christmas this year. They weren't last year and um, there will be stock. It's not that there won't be toys in the shops, there will be toys. It's just uh, will every toy get through in time Mm, uh, with, is is yeah. probably the, 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 the issue.
2: Will something on Santa Claus's list? Will Santa Claus even be able to get able to get it? It could be a problem. Okay, talk to me about the top toys, Dahi. What's what 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 are you anticipating? Are the top toys uh, for for this year for twenty twenty one?
7: Yeah, given the issues, I think with with stocks and certain one off items, it's it's kind of very hard to predict a top toy, but there's kind of. Top toys in different categories and licenses that um, so we'd see high demand for Harry Potter Lego, the Astronomy Tower, the the, the Paw Patrol Mighty Tower um, would be strong. Would would be in high demand. Item with Paw Patrol and there's a hoverboard and cart from Hover One, which is a popular item this year. It's a it's a kind of a, a cart that can also be a hoverboard. Uh, the Barbie dreamhouse so Barbie, that that item is the order generation item Megan with Pet, um the bat Tech bat boss uh that's, that's the fisher price the Imaginex item that's popular and then nerf Elite eco two two uh, nerf gun is is popular and okay. Cocomelon melon is a big brand also in, pre- in preschool so the Cocomelon melon JJ interactive uh it's going to be in, in high demand.
2: Is is that the doll that eats vegetables?
7: Yes, he's the the yeah. He teaches kids about diet and and it's a very preschool for very young okay. young, young children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he's I, popular and there's a, a bit of a shortage there, and it's coming. It's but the product's going to be late. Okay, he's one of the one of the, the the particular brands that is suffering from from shortages at the moment.
2: And it's preschool, so it's the very is.
7: That's for the real small yeah. Yeah, yeah that's from, yeah. From, from from one one to three that, that that age group once once they're basically sitting up. And then in Lego Friends they'd be the heart like City Mall and then you know, it's very popular as farming toys at this year. We're funny, farming toys very popular as the Kids low Cattle Market and Shed for for the Britons and Siku toys. That seems to be very popular. So farm products are very popular this year.
2: Yeah, the farm ones kind of have a tendency to come and go. They'll be there for a few years, and they kind of wean off again. And Isn't then,
7: we, well, you know, it's, we found just the farm end of it growing every year. For is us. it? Yeah, very yeah, strong. Yeah, you see
2: it. You see it in all the shops when you go in. You see all yeah, the
7: that more products made for it now. So yeah, they can I suppose that farms it. and farm. They can have the farmhouses as well as the fields and the the, the you know the livestock yards, uh, and they can do add-ons and, and build up a. a a big, a large farm scene where they probably wouldn't have been able to do that. Maybe ten or twelve years ago, the product wasn't there.
2: Yeah, it's almost become a little bit like a previous generation of children might have had, you know, train sets, and they built up the train sets. Yeah, it's similar, yeah, isn't yeah, it? It's similar yeah. to that, and I, it also makes me smile when I hear you talk about, you know, the toys I would have played with as a child. Like Barbie is still around, and and the Lego, Lego. Has Lego ever gone out of fashion?
7: You no, know, Lego's bigger than ever. It's they probably the biggest toy company in the world now. Um, they, they really are the, the powerhouse and within the toy um, they've got, just got stronger and stronger um, they've, they've taken on licenses as well so it's not just Lego City and Lego Friends or, or just Lego specific products they've, they've got licensed products like Harry Potter yeah, and the Star the Wars Marvel, stuff. Star Wars yeah. they
2: yeah, they're clever that. they're clever and what's yeah. great about Lego with all of the electronic devices that are around the world you know Lego is brilliant because it gets children's imagination going
7: yeah, it's a, it's a break. You can build anything. You can use different sets even to add them together. So you know, once you know, you can build build the set that's in the box, and then you can add that to another set, or just mix it up. Uh, you know, kids eventually do that. So yeah. Yeah, they're pretty pretty indestructible, as most parents will tell you.
2: Yeah, when you step they're, on it in your bare feet in the middle of the night. That's it, Yeah, yeah, they're they're very painful. Somebody wants to know any is squish mallow soft cuddly toys. Do you know what that is?
7: Squish mallows are are difficult to get. What's a squishmallow? It's kind of a, a really soft. It's a particular I don't know the exact material in it, but it's really soft. When you when you press it it squeezes in and comes out slowly.
5: Okay.
7: It's got a, a particular um there are other products like like TY squishies, which are very similar. Um so if people are can't get the squish that particular squishmallow is, is is in short supply, all right. Um uh so, but there are alternatives, and I think okay. that's the case for most toys. You know, if, if you're looking for something within a brand or a toy, that you will get an alternative that be very, you know, very close to just as good in the end. So,
2: there's usually uh, a big scramble every year for the latest PlayStation. Is there a PlayStation this
7: year? It's very difficult. Yeah, we. If you don't do the, that, uh, the computer games end of it, it's very difficult. The PlayStation Five is in high demand, but they can't get chips to make them. So. It, that's really in an in, in, it's, it's a, a even worse situation. The toys, um, there's less of them out of there because of it's not just a shipping issue. It's A chip issue, I think, is a big issue there. They just can't get the chips to, to, make, to them. make them.
2: And yeah. did I read some of the Pokemon cards are back?
7: Pokemon is back huge oh and Pokemon God. toys attached to it.
2: <laughs> yeah. But is it the old cards where the children are... Swapping
7: them in that. Yeah, they, but they've new, They bring out new editions every few months, actually. So they're constantly bringing out new cards and new characters and new uh, new editions of it. So that's going on on a continual basis. Um, and the, look, there are shortages there also for the, of the cards and and the product. Um, but yeah, it's it's it was a big hit in lock. You know, over the lockdown period, it just seemed to grow.
2: And what about board games, Dahi? Are board games still a board popular games buy? won't
7: be in short supply. They're the one thing because they're Brilliant. made in Europe. A lot of them are made in Europe, so they're they're they are not particularly affected by the by the um, the issues with with logistics and, and distribution. So there, there will be plenty of board games around. It that'll be one area where you won't see shortages.
2: And Dare I ask, is Monopoly still there?
7: Monopoly and about 10 other iterations of it or more, 20 other different types of monopolies. So, yeah, yeah.
2: And board games are great because it's a great way for the family to sit down and get together.
7: Yeah, they're very popular, particularly in lockdown last year. People were indoors. uh, So, board games and jigsaws became hugely popular. Jigsaws, Jigsaws, even more in early, uh, more so because they wouldn't have been as popular originally, but they grew. you know, hundreds of percent because people who never made jigsaws were, were suddenly stuck at home and, and they were looking for something to do and jigsaws and board games became the thing to do for families.
2: Yeah, you can while away hours upon hours on a jigsaw. And if you get a large jigsaw, you can get the whole family involved you and while away family, a few, yeah. a few yeah. hours ago. So the advice, Dahi, if you spot the toy that your child really wants and really maybe wants some Santa Claus, don't wait. Is that is that the yeah, best if you, advice? if
7: you know what you want, And you see it. I would, I would get it. But if if you're not sure, I wouldn't just grab anything just for the sake of it. And you might regret it later on and and want to get something else. So because there will be toys coming continually right up to the middle of December. So. Um, but if you're sure, if you're pretty certain you know what you want and you see it, it, it certainly I, I would advise people to, to get it. It may not be there in a couple of weeks. Yeah,
2: but that's going to be the big difference if you're unsure about what you want because there will be deliveries which normally there's not at this time of the year but there will be deliveries right into December. Okay, listen Di, uh, thank you for that and we appreciate you taking time out on what is the busiest time of the year for you. But uh, thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Okay. Good Thank morning you. to you. Bye bye. Dahi O'Connor of World of Wonder and World of Wonder Toys. 1850 333 103. Lines open.
1: Court today on C103.
3: With Sean Cusack Insurances Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG. IE. C103's Irish Sunday is the big show on your radio. Sunday mornings from 10.
1: Four hours of all-time favourites from Clean Hagen to Mike Denver.
3: Susan McCann to Derek Ryan.
1: And Daniel O'Donnell to Nathan Carter.
3: It's Cork's greatest hits, guaranteed.
1: And everyone is Irish.
3: Join us Sunday mornings from 10am.
1: Irish Sunday
3: on C103.
2: Right here, right now, that's a festival that's returning to Cork for a fourth year over the, not this weekend, the weekend afterwards, the weekend of November 12th through two fourteenth. 14th. The festival celebrates some of the finest in contemporary Irish music and one of the singers confirmed to play is one of our own and that is John Spelan who joins me this morning. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. Lovely to talk to you. Well, Long time no see. Well, listen, always great to chat to you as well. And I can't wait for the day when we can have these chats where you're sitting opposite me in studio. You have the guitar on your back, and we chat away. And then you'll say, "Well, I sing a song," and you'll start singing a song. And those days will come back, and you'll be back with us in studio. But tell me, how are you doing? I'm doing great
8: altogether. Thank you so much, Patricia. I'm on fire and the Hit Factory. Girl on fire. Who's going to stop me? And. um I uh, released a uh, champion record this year. It's called uh, 100 Snow White Horses and I brought it out at um, Easter time and Mm. uh, it's tipping away very nicely and um, it got great results really with reviews and charts and radio play. So, all good, thank you.
2: And did you find lockdown good for that to be able to sit in your own space and just write?
8: Um, I did, I did. Well, I I mean, I got an awful shock at the start, like, um you know, March of last year because, I, you know, that's, the busy, that's a busy time for me. You know, I'd be very quiet now in January and February and March I'd take off. But, um, so there was, in a, after I got over the initial shock, um, I got on fine then after that. I, I did, a, you know, lots of bits and pieces and I had this record to bring out and all that. So I got on fine in the end.
2: Yeah, it was, it was all to do with trying to stay busy, wasn't it? And keep focused and keep busy.
8: Uh, yes, indeed. Well, uh, I, I was writing away songs and um I flung open the doors of my hit factory then and I received a number of commissions for songs of people Brilliant. and um, I'm still working on those and I, I did some songwriting workshops then as well on Zoom and um, so it, it, it worked all fine in the end.
2: Thank you. But you love the live work. I mean, you must have really missed that
8: ah yeah well it's just great old fun you know and playing gigs I mean like I have a great life really travelling around like I mean no. tomorrow I'm I'm back in action now and tomorrow I'm going to Ballyford now in West Kerry and i doing a gig like so it's just great to have an excuse to go to Ballyferred or like I yeah. might say get paid for it like yeah. so um, <laughs> and uh, and have you so,
2: managed like, to do many live gigs since the reopening of the Nighttime Trade?
8: I have yeah I mean I am um, well, well I was gigging anyway like on you know I was zooming and I was um, streaming and You know, there was a lot of that behaviour going on. And then in the last month or two, I've done a number of gigs. Like I was up around the country there now. I was in Galway and Dundalk and Kilkenny and all those places in the last month. So so all good. Thank you so much.
2: And there's a ferocious appetite, isn't there, out there for people who people just desperately want to get out to the live gigs. There's nothing like Sitting in a room, listening to, uh, particularly an artist like yourself, but you know, an artist that you really love and know and know and know their work. Th- there's a huge appetite for it.
8: Um, there is, and there seems to be a kind of a, a new appreciation, really, of um, of the live gig situation. So, you know, we see how long that lasts, like. But uh, it's good at the moment, anyway.
2: Hopefully, a long time. I think it was. It took the pandemic for people to realise how important those live gigs are. I, I really do firmly believe that, that people have a, a much better appreciation now of going to a show. And your gig is tomorrow week, Saturday the 13th. Uh, it's going to be in the Cork Opera House. The Opera House, is that a venue that you love playing in?
8: Ah, yeah. Well, the Cork Opera House is very special to me. Uh, to, I suppose to everyone from Cork, really. I mean, I'm more the everyman because I do the man every Christmas for over 20 years. But I mean, the Opera House, I mean, I did for the first time and I think maybe possibly the only time sell out the Clark Opera House in 2005 and it was a huge night for me You know, to have cut, to sold out the Clark Opera House but this one now um, tomorrow week is going to be an extremely special night for me because I'm playing with a 40 piece orchestra and there have been a, arrangements made of 10 of my songs you know I picked 10 songs from all down the years that would be suitable for the big Yeah, it's the um, the Cork
2: Opera House Concert Orchestra which sounds terribly posh and they're going to be accompanying you.
8: They're going to be accompanying me, yeah. So um, I picked 10 songs and um, I started off with a song called Princess Street from 1983. Love that song. And uh, I have All the Ways You Wander from 1994. I I picked songs, you know, from over the last 30 years or 40 years, whatever it is now. And and so they're being orchestrated and I haven't heard your arrangements yet now but um, they have very good people, like they have uh, Cormac McCarthy and Paul Frost, and they're doing the orchestrations. So it's a different thing for me altogether. Like I usually just have myself and the guitar, or maybe yeah. a, a band, a small band. But uh, so we're getting the full treatment now.
2: There's something magical, though, about a full orchestra behind you, isn't there? That I mean, that's a really special sound. It's
8: a really special sound, and um, I can't wait to hear it. And I'm going to, you know, we're getting it recorded. Oh, well. brilliant! So. Um, so hopefully, you know, there might be an album in it, but it'll yeah. be a different treatment of the songs. Like,
2: Yeah, and there's a, there's another young lad. Is he on before you? J- junior brother?
8: Yeah, junior brother. So um, he's uh, um, he's not my brother. They're oh. thinking, oh, I never knew you had a brother, John. Junior <laughs> <I see. laughs> brother. Um, he's uh, from Killarney and uh, he's very talented. And he writes kind of crazy songs. Um, very poetic. I mean, the first song I heard of out of him was one called Hung Over A Mass. Have you heard that one? No.
2: I, he's, he hasn't been on my radar until his, he, when I saw his name I had to Google him and and, and he looks like incredible, he's, he's doing incredible stuff.
8: Yeah, the songs are very mad and very creative um, Hangover at Mass is a good crack um, you, you know um, he's from Canary and he, there, there's a kind of a generation of young songwriters now I think who are quite brilliant and very um, very good at lyrics you know, yeah. are very brave with lyrics you know
2: and they're so, the f- um, they're the future. I saw the Rubber Bandits describe him as as one of the best artists in Ireland today. Pure tradition in his tunes. He literally sounds like you gave him a peat bog Viagra. <laughs> a what Viagra? A peat bog Viagra. Oh, peat bog yeah,
8: Viagra. Yeah, well, yeah. the Rubber Bandits like horse outside. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. He's kind of on the mad side of things a bit. Yeah. So he's on before you, then is he? He's on before me, yeah. OK. All right. So are you excited about the weekend? I mean, there's some great acts performing across this this festival right here, right now.
8: Yeah, Mary Coughlin and um, Wallace Bird and uh, Loa. There's a lot of women, I think, the first night. And So it, it's a big thing. I think it's a, it's a Cork Opera House initiative. Um, it's a new festival they've had for the last three or four years and it's a big deal. And I think the biggest thing about it is the... Um, their own orchestra backing all these people that wouldn't normally be backed by an orchestra.
2: Yeah, and I know they'll have gigs. I mean, obviously, the Cork Opera House is the main venue, but there'll also be gigs at Coughlin's and at at Cypress Avenue. And and tickets for your gig on sale as we speak, corkoperahouse.ie? Yes, indeed. OK. Yeah. Get, get in and get them fast. John, uh, we wish you luck with it. Enjoy it because I think it's going to be quite a special night. But I think it's going to be very special for you as well. And it's important that you enjoy the gig. And as always, it's a pleasure to have you on the programme. Thank you so much, uh, Patricia. Lovely to talk to you. Good morning to you. Bye-bye, Good. bye-bye. You. That is uh, the wonderful John Spillane. 1850 333 Somebody's asking about have we given away the ABBA album yet? We haven't. Voyage, the new album from ABBA. We're going to be doing it after 12.
3: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: Some of your texts that are coming in. A listener has just made contact and wants to know where she can d- donate adult nappies free to whoever wants them, does anybody know Now, I know adult nappies usually are for people who are incontinent the h s c are always really good about uh, giving them to families that, that need them. so this is obviously somebody who has ended up with a lot of adult nappies no longer need it and doesn't want to dump them, would like to pass them on to somebody that needs them. So can anybody advise us, so we can advise this listener, what she can do with an amount? I don't know how many she has, but it's adult nappies. Does anybody know anywhere that accepts them? I mean, at one stage charities, I remember when I was involved with sending out shipments to Belarus, we used to take things like that, children's nappies, but we used to take adult nappies as well for some of the adults that were in nursing homes in Belarus. Uh, but then a lot of those shipments have stopped. I mean, there was a huge cost involved then in, in getting them over to Belarus as well. But obviously in COVID times, all of that has uh, changed. So I don't know if there's charities maybe still involved that would take those those adult nappies for overseas and maybe there's there's local charities that would use them as well if anybody can offer advice that so we can make contact with that listener can you contact us please John Paul taking your calls 1850 103. and then another listener is a bit annoyed about the fact that this year they're charging for the flu vaccine listener says can anybody tell me please why are they charging for the flu vaccine if you don't have an underlying health condition then you have to pay 25 euro you could be on a lot of medication and they're asking you to pay 25 euro why is that because this time last year we were remember everyone was being encouraged to go get the flu jab and it was free nearly to everybody wasn't it? wasn't it last year but there was a big push but that's because of course covid was circulating and we didn't have a vaccine for covid whereas the HSE now are back to now there are a lot of people entitled to a free a free flu jab. I mean obviously anybody over age 65 is encouraged uh, to get it but you know people who are pregnant can get it. Children can get a flu jab and it's, it's not a jab for children it's, an, it's a, a nasal one so it makes it easier uh, for children 2 to 17. They're entitled to do it free. Uh, an adult or child age 6 months or older is at increased risk of flu related complications and then there's a long list of long term conditions. People for example who have got chronic heart disease, chronic liver disease, renal failure, anyone who's suffering with any kind of respiratory diseases, people with cystic fibrosis, anyone with any kind of a neurological disease like multiple cirrhosis, um, certain types of diabetes, anyone who's morbidly obese. If your body mass is over 40, you're entitled to a a free flu jab. And obviously then people who would be immunosuppressed due to disease or treatment and that would include anybody getting treatment for uh, cancer. And as I say, there's a long, long uh, list that also includes people like uh, care. As, as well, and obviously, all healthcare workers are entitled to get it. And if you're not included in that long, long list, then the, our listeners contacted us is right. You have to pay. And uh, the, the only thing I can say it won't will come as kind of cold comfort to you: twenty five euro. I've anyone I've heard who's gone out and got a flu jab who wasn't included on the list that the HSC. Are giving it to it free have paid thirty euro so if you're getting it for twenty five euro you're actually getting it cheaper than what I've heard other people uh, pay but the decision has been made and you listen you're you're right to get the flu jab protect yourself from the flu because even though last year lots of us went out and got the flu jab and then flu thankfully wasn't circulating and that was a lot to do with how we were all living and lockdowns and mask wearing and not interacting socially but we do know that flu is out and about in the community there's already been reported cases of flu and we really are coming into that flu season so it is important if you think you are at risk to protect yourself I would pay I think it's 25 euro well spent uh, to get your flu jab 1850 333103 Listener says Patricia I was listening to your programme earlier and I totally agree with some of the parents who were contacting you saying that other parents need to stop and think about going to matches and bringing their children to matches, particularly if parents have children under the age of 12. With the amount of COVID-19 that is circulating between the 5 to 12-year-olds, they certainly are at higher risk of picking it up. I would gather from one of your previous listeners that they must have uh, children and she, she spoke about limiting school after school activities I don't agree with children going to matches God wouldn't it be brilliant if we had all parents who were looking and giving consideration to others and limiting who their children actually meet Um, I think Patricia that children can get Covid and spread to others and then they'll spread the virus especially in the under 12 year olds well listen we know that the under 12 year olds are are getting Covid there's been a huge increase in the 5 to 12 year olds we can be thankful that they don't get very sick which is the important important thing but then do they pass it on? Of course they do and of course the danger is that they'll pass it on maybe to somebody in their household who is immune compromised or somebody in their household who has an underlying health condition or an older person and all of the complications there. So I think, you know, the majority of parents are trying to do their very best. Kids have had a really, really tough time during this pandemic and, as you know, things have started to open up. They need to get out as well but it's just to limit the number. I mean, it was Dr. Ronan Glynn was saying, I know this was certainly to do with over midterm we're saying okay look it's okay for them to meet up or maybe not meet up with a very large group and if you're meeting up with a group of children today or maybe they're going to a match today or well then maybe tomorrow or the day after that you consider doing home based activities and they don't meet up with other people It's just, it's all to do with just all of us it's not just for children it's for adults as well for all of us to stop and think about where we're going, who we're mixing with and could we lessen the number of people that we're actually meeting up with especially as there's so much COVID circulating at the moment the less social contacts we have the less chance we have it's common sense isn't it the less chance we have of picking up COVID-19 1850 I want to give a quick mention to the local property uh, tax because revenue have come out and they have decided to extend the deadline for property owners to file their local property tax. Everybody was due to have their local property tax filed by this Sunday. They've now extended it until Wednesday of next weekend. 5pm next Wednesday. The reason that Revenue have decided to do this is there are large numbers of people continuing to seek further clarity about the self-assessment valuation process for their property tax ahead of the original deadline which was next Sunday. Revenue tell us so far... More than a million of the expected one point eight million returns have been received, and it seems a quarter of a million people filed their returns in the last three days. We're great for that, aren't we? We wait for the last minute, so, that, so there was a big rush over the last uh, few days. But so there's o- so there's over half have filed their expected liable properties. About 54% is what it is running at, but there's still a big cohort of people who still have to file their return. So, as I say, they've decided to extend it until Wednesday of next week. And Revenue have also released what different bands owners have declared their houses to be in the bulk so far of people 31% are saying that their houses are in the band number one which is under 200,000 and then the next most popular band is band number two which is where people are saying their houses are valued at between 200,000 and 268,000 and if you want to go to the other end of the scale 0.2% of people say that their house is valued at over one75 Five would Wouldn't you love to see the houses that they're living in, that they're self-declaring their house is valued at over 1.75 million. Now in the last the Helpline and we were giving out the number for the helpline because we did our piece with revenue earlier on in the week to try to answer as many questions as we could. And then we were telling people that the helpline was uh, open and we know they extended the helpline hours, opening hours this week to try to cope with the amount of people who were ringing in, people who had queries in the last three days alone. And in the last three days, two of those days, they extended it from eight in the morning until eight in the evening. 80,000 calls were made to Revenue's local property tax uh, helpline so that's an incredible number of people and actually John Paul said only this morning somebody contacted them because earlier in the week we were hearing people were waiting two hours and more to get through to Revenue John Paul said he took the call, a call from somebody this morning who just wanted to pass it on that they needed to ring Revenue they wanted to check something about their local property tax and they had a four minute wait <laughs> we could all cope with a four minute wait so the helpline is still up and running but I imagine over the next few days it'll probably get as uh, busy. Um, Now, we're trying to find out because the helpline that operates it's a Dublin number 626. It had been operating from half nine to half four and it was only operating Monday to Friday. We're trying to find out from revenue have they extended the opening hours for today, Friday and also will they be open at the weekend? Will some of the revenue workers be Will they have workers available to work the weekend? They certainly will be there Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. But we're trying to find out, will the helpline be available at the weekend? John Paul is already after getting through to uh, revenue. And I know there was a bit of a problem when John Paul was getting through to them uh, because their website crashed earlier today. And that was causing all kinds of problems because they want people to file the return. The easiest way to do it is if you have access and if you can do it online online. Doesn't suit everybody except that. And if you've got a query, it certainly doesn't suit you because you need to check out the query before you can go online. So they were offline for a period of time uh, this morning, but it is back up uh, and running. But we're waiting on revenue to confirm If they will be keeping the extended times for the local property tax helpline and also we're trying to get confirmation, will they be open on the weekend? So hang in, hang in there. Hopefully we might get something before the close of the programme today to, to bring that to you. But just to let people know that the quickest and easiest way for property owners to return their to submit their return is to do it online and you can do it on revenue through my account, Ross, or the local property tax online portal. That is the easiest way to do it and there is an interactive tool and information available on Revenue's website to determine the value of your property. But they have extended if you haven't. If you're in that 0.8 of a million householders who haven't filed your return yet they're they're giving you a little bit of extra leeway they're extending it until next wednesday 185333103 john paul takes your calls i want you please now to get texting or whatsapping if you would like to win a copy of Voyage, it's the new album from ABBA. It's out today. We've copies to give away across the day. I am now going to call out some lyrics to an ABBA song, and you have to try to identify what is the name of this song. And once you know the name of the song, text in the name of the song. Along with your name and address, and you can text her WhatsApp to 0862103103. 103. Here are the words from the ABBA song: So much that I want to do, when I dream, I'm alone with you, it's magic. Oh, and I have the urge to sing it, and I can't. Let me give it to you again: So much that I want to do, when I dream, I'm alone with you, it's magic. Do you know what the name of that song is? If so, text the name of the song along with your name and address. Text or WhatsApp to 0862103103.
1: The C103 Cork Diary with Cork County Council where
3: communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie
2: something that has been cancelled is the Ballonhasset Community Development Association. They were due to hold their social dancing in the Marion Hall tonight due to the rising COVID figures they've decided to cancel. But Drive-In Bingo is going ahead in Kildallery Creamery Yard and that's at 8 o'clock. Kilcolly Scout Camp are holding a fundraising car boot sale next Sunday. Now it's from 8am to 2pm, weather permitting. All proceeds will go to the upkeep of the Kilcolly Scout campsite. Tea and coffee will be available along with toilets, hot and cold water and sanitizers and your support would be appreciated. And a vintage run in aid of Pat Lane will take place on Sunday next. Cars, bikes and tractors are all welcome. They'll meet at Cookstown Hall at 10am where refreshments will be served. Pat suffered a severe stroke earlier this year and he's in Dublin recovering and this is a special fundraiser for his ongoing care. We wish luck to everybody involved there and particular good luck to Pat. And Buttervent Running Club, they're holding a four-mile race next Sunday. Starts at 10am on the Canturk Road and ending in front of Buttervent GAA Hall. It's on the Church Churchtown Road. Chip timing and prizes will be available on the day. 15 euro online entry Only please register online at www.popupraces.ie, and everyone is welcome.
1: Court today on C103.
2: With
3: John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk.
1: Selling a little or a lot? Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. shopify.com slash work.
3: CMIG.ie
2: This is the Court Today replay on C103. Let's get some movie suggestions for the weekend from Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Good afternoon to you, Mark.
5: Good afternoon, Patricia.
2: Now, two movies for us, uh, Dune and The Guilty, and we have a very quick trailer from Dune. Dune is the number one
3: movie in the world. Let's fight like demons. Don't miss the best film of the year.
2: It's
4: On
3: the biggest screen possible.
2: This is only the beginning. Dune, 3D PG 13, now playing. Best movie of the year.
5: What's this? <laughs> yeah, almost. Uh, you know, at least we've got we've got a good week this week. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I really do hate when I come in week after week just moaning about the standards of uh, modern movie making, and, uh, and it seems sometimes as if I hate everything. So these both these movies are very good. I'm glad to be able to say. Okay,
2: this uh, is so Warner, Warner Brothers.
5: Uh, it's it's been it's been filmed before. Um, um, back in the 80s. I remember the the first film. I actually went to it in the cinema back in 1984, I think it was. And, um, you know, there was always talk about, um, you know, this was unfilmable. The the novel from Frank Herbert, that was unfilmable. But David Lynch did try back in 1984. And I do remember going to see it. And I remember, I don't remember very much about it at the time before I saw this film. I remember there was kind of big, huge kind of uh, sandworms. And I know that, uh, you know, I, I remember Sting in a weird nappy kind of contraction, which was very odd at the time. And uh, it was directed by David Lynch who kind of dismissed the film afterwards because he said, look, I didn't have final cut in the film. It's not my film. It's the producer's film. It belongs to the movie studio. And so he's always kind of denounced it, which is a bit of a shame because I do remember thinking it was okay but not really enjoying it very much. So there's always been talk over the years. Many people have kind of, um, you know, thrown there kind of had in the ring to say look I'll have a go at it and uh, in the end it turned out to be uh, Denis Villeneuve who uh, this is his third science fiction film in a row and like up to now you know he made Arrival he made uh, the remake or well I suppose the sequel to uh, Blade Runner and nobody expected certainly the new version of Blade Runner to be any good but it was. I mean, it was absolutely terrific. I loved it. And the one thing you must understand about De- Dennis Villeneuve is that when it comes to his science fiction movies, he's not making those kind of Flash Gordon, uh, Star Wars kind of, um, you know, shoot 'em up type of movies. This is sci-fi, which is a lot more kind of restrained. This is a lot more cerebral. And and I know that it's not going to be for to, to, to everybody's taste, as was kind of his version of Blade Runner. I remember when I was doing the, re- the, the, the review of Blade Runner, I said, there's a scene where the main character gets out of his car and walks to a hotel and then walks up the stairs it takes about five six minutes but it's so extraordinarily beautiful but i loved it and it's still a scene actually that i remember whenever i think back on on that movie um i think about that scene and then even enough seems to have this kind of incredible touch whereby you know he 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 makes things happen when certainly things on screen don't seem to be happening and that's a talent because all the time you're just you're desperately kind of um you know, concentrating on what you're seeing on screen because it's so entertaining and so wonderful and so beautiful. And um and I think you have to give him credit for that. And also the fact that I think the film has very been very, very well received even by fans and fans of the book because people will always go, It's not as good as the book. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And it is very hard for and and I always feel for filmmakers it's very hard to match something to a book.
5: Well, exactly, yeah, because of course, when you're reading the book, it's very it's different. Your vision,
2: yeah, it's a very yeah, different experience. Okay, so what, what's the, the storyline here then? Well, the
5: storyline is, is really, really kind of very, very complicated, and so therefore, it's basically the film kind of surrounds this character uh, by portrayed here by Timothy Chalamet, and he comes kind of from a kind of a royal family. His father is kind of Oscar Isaac, and he's given the job to go to a um, to a planet to um, collect this kind of uh, material that's actually on the sand. There's a very, very sandy planet uh, which gives power, basically, to the kind of universe. Uh, The problem with that, though, is that uh, he's given the job and it, the job has been taken away from other factions who who don't particularly uh, want uh, Oscar Isaac and his family there, and so therefore that causes uh, an awful lot of problems. And so basically, it's a kind of a coming of age story of Timothy Chalamet, who is kind of seen as this kind of very weak, kind of um, almost kind of scrawny type of character, and it's about his journey, basically becoming a man. Um, and so. Um, if anything, though, if, unfortunately, if I was kind of criticise the, the, the anything about this film is is kind of the casting of Timothy Chalamet. I think he's too young, and I'm not really sure if it's a terrific performance than the kind of performance that really you would have wanted. Uh, there's a scene, for example, where he and Rebecca Ferguson, who plays his mother, in this kind of are looking at a scene of devastation, and she looks devastated. He looks as if he's just wondering what he's going to have tea uh, later on that evening. You know, which is a terrible pity. But the, the rest of the performances by everybody is pretty good, and the film looks extraordinary. It really does. I mean, week in and week out here, I talk about really, really bad CGI. But the CGI is extraordinary. And it is exciting. And so the film does take a while um, to kind of start but then again um, it's, going, it's this is the first of two films so basically like you know the first half of this film is like the first third of two films if you see what I mean there's, so number, yeah, there's
2: another one to come yeah
5: exactly yeah so it takes a while to kind of get into its stride but when it does it's really really exciting I was confused though with all the firepower I mean it is set in the near future and with all the firepower that they have I was wondering why they used knives and swords to kill each other in battles and why they didn't just use guns well uh, they have this kind of force field that they can give themselves. They look like ready-bred kids. <laughs> and, um, apparently, you know, guns and bullets, uh, you know, can't penetrate this force field but very, very sharp objects can. And so because of that, then, of course, it, it gives the director kind of the leeway to have a lot of kind of fight scenes with knives and swords, which are really, really quite exciting. Jason Momoa is, uh, is also in the movie, Josh Brolin, a really, really good cast as well. And I ended up really becoming kind of fascinated by uh, just how good this was. And I was, I was surprised by how, just how good it was. Well, it no. is better been a David Lynch film I'm glad to be able to say okay. if you love your sci-fi um, I would certainly recommend it I enjoyed it very much and too.
2: it's it's called June and I'm wondering with what happened with Alec Baldwin will we be seeing less guns on set do you think of I don't think
5: we will I don't think we will I think what we will see though is we will see the standard of uh, the people of who produce these guns and the safety standards increase yet again because you know guns are part of uh, you know movie making that strength. I mean the thing is is that I mean I saw a, a filmmaker say that they had a rubber gun on screen on in, in their uh, film and yet, you know, filming had to stop the gun people had to stand up in front of everybody and go this is a gun, it is rubber it is not armed and that's how far they go well, unfortunately well. it seems like in that film the standards were yeah. were weren't great were yeah. Dreadful,
2: dreadful Okay, so Mark, do you know 10? I give it 9 9, 9 out of 10 Okay, and then The Guilty is your second uh, movie Tell us about this
5: and uh, this is Jake Gyllenhaal. This is based on a on a, on a uh, Danish film and um, I haven't seen the Danish film but I did see the trailer and it is quite similar to this now, normally when they transfer these kind of European movies to kind of American movies they tend not to be very well kind of received because people really do like the original movie here I think as far as I can see with some of the reviews is that uh, people are very very I'm glad to be able to say uh, very appreciative of this version because um, there are a few things to kind of think about it I mean first of all it was made during lockdown in LA last year and um, they have, and the film concentrates on the face of Jake Gyllenhaal, do you remember that film? I try and I reference it quite a few times, Brian Reynolds, the film called *Buried*, where he's underground. Yeah, yeah. And the film just, the film just basically concentrated on his face throughout the whole film, and the, and and the conversations he had on his mobile phone. This is very, 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 very uh, similar. Uh, here we meet Jake Gyllenhaal. He has been demoted. He's not on the streets anymore, solving, crime, uh, solving crimes. He's now a nine-one-one uh, uh, dispatch. Desk officer who takes calls and he hates the job and he's obviously very cynical about doing it. The thing is is that uh, we also hear that uh, the next day he's got a court uh, he's got to appear in court because of something that did happen when he was on the streets. He killed a man and so therefore the pressure of that plus pressure at home because he's. Um, he's having problems at home, his wife won't allow him to see his daughter and so all of this stress is kind of playing on his face constantly uh, throughout this whole film as he gets a phone call from a woman who says she's been kidnapped and she's in the back of a car and she's been kidnapped by her husband and her children are, um, are alone at home. Now, what he does is because of I suppose because of his circumstances, he becomes emotionally involved in this story and wants to solve it and wants to protect this woman, even though it 's not really his job to do so and and that 's the thing i mean he 's not necessarily the most likable character in this film um but you know, his obsession becomes really, really fascinating. And it takes a terrific actor to be able to do it. I mean, we do think of, say, Ryan Reynolds as kind of this pretty boy actor who just makes, who plays himself all the time. But we saw with Barry just how good he is and here again with the camera, just basically on Jake Gyllenhaal's face practically for an hour and a half. You have to have a good actor and an actor who's going to be able to kind of do the job properly and a very, very good director. The interesting thing, there's a couple of interesting things about it. Anthony, uh, Antoine Foucault, who directed this movie, uh, was in contact with somebody who had COVID. So he had to direct the film from a van in the car park next to the studios and buy a uh, walkie-talkie and a monitor. And that's how they and, and he did it and
2: did it well. So Mark, out of not attend the guilty?
5: I can't see any... Oh, by the way, one of the voices is that of... Which was kind of interesting, is uh, that of Riley Kill. And Riley Kill is the daughter of Lisa Marie Presley. Oh, Um, OK. Who's the granddaughter of Elvis Presley. Margaret O'Toole. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with this. It's perfect from start to finish. I give it 10.
2: 10 out of 10. Whoa, 10 out of 10. And that's where we've got to go. Thanks to uh, John Paul, Nick Witcher, Nick Richer for the accident Talk to you Monday. On C103. With
3: Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie.